Hi, I'm Marietta Del Vecchio and welcome to another episode of the Silver Bullet Podcast. This podcast is about lessons learned in running a business with a strong focus on startup founders and CEOs. We'll uncover what gaps these disruptors have identified in the market, what they're doing differently to their competitors, and of course, to find out their silver bullet for business success. On today's episode of the Silver Bullet Podcast, I'm chatting with Nick Wolf co-founder and CEO of Australian-based medicinal psychedelics company, Woke Pharmaceuticals. During the podcast, we chat about how the industry is progressing in Australia, the potential new applications of medicinal psychedelics, and how the effects of the pandemic prompted him to start the company. Nick, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you. Um, why don't we start by um, you telling us a little bit more about Work Pharmaceuticals. What do you do? So Work Pharmaceuticals is an Australian company. We founded in 2021. Uh, our exclusive focus is on the development of psychedelic therapies for the treatment of mental health disorders. It's a really fascinating space, isn't it? Um, can you tell us a little bit about your product development and what you've got on the boil at the moment? Yes, of course. Our, our main clinical focus is around psilocybin. Now, psilocybin is the drug found in, in magic mushrooms uh, that's hallucinogenic. Um, our psilocybin is produced synthetically in the lab, so it's, we're not foraging for mushrooms. We've developed two proprietary drug candidates. One is a low dose or a microdose that can be used regularly and is uh, below that hallucinogenic um, level or threshold. And we've got a, a high dose, uh, which is 25 mg of, uh, of psilocybin in a tablet form, and that's used alongside psychotherapy. We've got a number of clinical trials that are uh, getting underway. In fact, some have already gone through ethics approval uh, with our microdosing study. We're working with Macquarie University in New South Wales for a, a 266 patient phase 2B randomized study for the treatment of moderate depression. And that has gone successfully through ethics approval um, with our, uh, that's in a capsule form, with our high dose psilocybin, which is in a tablet form, we, we call WP002 as opposed to WP001 being the, the microdose with, with WP002. Our flagship study is again in depression. It's for treatment-resistant depression or treatment-resistant major depressive disorder. We've partnered with Swinburne University, also with the University of Tasmania and St. Vincent's, and we're looking at other sites to conduct a 160-patient phase 2B study, again, randomized controlled. We've got a couple of other studies um, that are going through ethics or have achieved ethics. Um, firstly, with QI QIMR Berghofer, uh, they came to us with an interest in evaluating our psilocybin with, uh, uh, with psychotherapy for the treatment of patients suffering prolonged grief. Wow. Yeah, it was in the news at the beginning of the year when Prince Harry said that he had dabbled with psilocybin to overcome the grief from the loss of his mother. So that's a small feasibility study, uh, mostly grant funded, 
and um, that is getting underway with ethics approval. And then we have a study with the University of Sydney, I get a different indication for alcohol use disorder. This is a 90 patient study. And again, it's a phase two randomized controlled trial. Um, we've got one other study, which is with Curtin University in collaboration with the George Institute. And it's again, a, a randomized controlled study, about 50, 60 patients to be finalized. And it's for the treatment of chronic musculoskeletal pain, which is the most common cause of, of chronic pain. And chronic pain has a huge psychological aspect to it. And, um, and also there is evidence to suggest that psilocybin can impact the downstream um, pain, pain signals as well. So we've got five clinical trials, four in total, one with our, our microdose and four with our high dose with psychotherapy. So a very busy clinical calendar year ahead of us. That's really fascinating because I think it's often, and of course, thanks to the TGA's reclassification, people only think about psychedelic treatment for um, treatment-resistant depression. But it, it goes to show, based on your current clinical trials, there is scope to really expand that. Yes, most people have focused on depression with, with, with psilocybin. Um, that's where the, the strongest body of, of data exists, clinical data exists in the, in the literature. But there is very, a demand both from the academic and science community, but also actually from investors as well who are interested in, in uh, companies such as ourselves evaluating less well-researched um, indications. So, I mean, we've talked through our pipeline, but I mean, other indications where we've had some initial discussions include anorexia nervosa, um, other eating disorders like body dysmorphic disorder, um, OCD, uh, general anxiety, um, there's quite a long list and others are even looking at neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's. So potentially a very wide field of application, um, uh, uh, particularly for, for psilocybin, which is our focus. The other, the other uh, psychedelic that the TGA has announced its intention to reschedule is, is MDMA, and that's for P PTSD. And the data with MDS, uh, MDMA for PTSD is, is similarly strong, like the, the depression data with psilocybin. How does the medicinal psychedelic treatment actually work? How is it administered? It has to be administered in a, in a safe uh, and clinical environment. So it could be a hospital room that has been converted into a suite with, you know, with a couch some some house plants and, and and a comfortable feel to it uh, the drug is is physically administered um, as a tablet so it's just ingested um, our psilocybin is formulated to dissolve more rapidly than the uh, what one might describe as the generic form of psilocybin and so it dissolves more quickly and gets into the body more quickly and hence the onset of action is predicted to be shorter. 
but we're, we're going to be proving that. Um, so patients will be administered the, the, the oral drug to, to, to swallow and then will lie on a couch for sort of six, maybe even up to eight hours. So they come in at nine o'clock and they're done by 4 p.m. Um, in the room, there should be a, or there's a psych, psychotherapist to guide the patient through the experience and the feelings. Um, and there's usually a second medical practitioner, might be a psychiatrist or, or just might be a doctor. And by administering it in a, in a sort of a hospital setting, but not a hospital room per se, you know, there's obviously medical practitioners available if in the very unlikely event that some sort of rescue therapy might be required. So you asked how the drugs worked, I think, as well. I mean, they, they target a particular receptor in the brain that's to do with, with a, a serotonin. It's called the serotonergic reuptake inhibitor. So it's, it, it's, it, it agonizes that uh, and it means you have more serotonin in, in the brain and, uh, and that creates this neuroplasticity which where your brain has sort of troughs and ruts uh, which cause uh, you to have sort of monocyted vision. You know, that might be you get depressed because you come home to an empty house or you come home and you're, you're reminded that one of your close relatives has passed away. And, and that sort of thinking can be flattened out through the use of a psychedelic. So you no longer have those triggers. Right. That's so fascinating. And I read that it kind of can help with those sort of single-minded spirals that people often have when they're mentally unwell and unable to regulate themselves. Very much so, yes. Anything that's psychologically driven, um, that might be due to, to you know, a rigid framework um, in your brain. Um, it literally becomes plastic or neuroplastic um, on drugs such as uh, psilocybin, and that enables those, those peaks and troughs to be flattened out and, and essentially eliminated. We briefly touched on the TGA's down scheduling uh, of MDMA and psilocybin. I don't think I could say it yet very well. What does that mean for, what did that change mean for work pharmaceuticals specifically? Like did that allow you, did that open doors or were you already on track and this is a formality, formality for you? It, it certainly drew a lot of attention from the media um, and, you know, we were well featured across a number of stories that were discussing the, the opportunity. I, I mean, just to, just to re-emphasize what that downscheduling means. So it doesn't come into effect until the 1st of July. And in the case of psilocybin, it means high-quality psilocybin at 25 milligrams, you know, produced to good manufacturing practice, which we do, um, you know, which we manufacture uh, to, to, to GMP and we manufacture in, in Victoria. So it's manufactured in Australia. And, you know, we're just finalizing the clinical batches right now, in fact, because our trials are getting underway. Um, so from the 1st of July, 
specialist prescribers who are authorised um, through the authorised prescriber scheme that the TGA has uh, uh, and have received ethics approval from their local site are, are able to prescribe um, psilocybin at 25 mg with psychotherapy. We're working with our our clinician, or our, lead, our lead clinician on the on the treatment resistant major depressive study, to put together an informational and educational portal that will be accessible via our website, both for the specialist psychiatrists, but also for for patients. Um, but you, one can't promote or advertise, but one can educate and inform under the the. TGA guidelines. Is it a similar system to medicinal cannabis where there's only very specific um, practitioners who will prescribe prescribe it or are mainstream psychiatrists, um, they all have the capability and are they all sort of on board with this um, particular form of treatment? It's to answer the first part of your question, um, I... So psilocybin for TRD and MDMA for PTSD are being rescheduled from Schedule 9 to Schedule 8 um, from the 1st of July. Uh, but the, their use is very restricted for those, for those uh, respective indications. Um, with cannabis, yes, authorised prescribers were, were, were eligible and an authorized prescriber, you know, has to actually get permission to use the specific product. You know, it's not product agnostic. Um, but where the in the medicinal cannabis rescheduling or downscheduling to schedulate um, actually had a, had provided slightly broader access as well through um, the TGA's special access scheme, which is less paperwork, um, and that does not that's uh, currently is not um, permitted by the TGA for um, a psilocybin or MDMA. Tell us a little bit about your background in business and how you came about to start a psychedelics company. Well, I, I, I mean, I'm a, a life science person. I studied chemistry and medicinal chemistry at the University of Oxford. Um, I spent a little bit of time in investment banking, but in in the pharmaceutical and biotech corporate advisory space, um, and then joined industry over 20 years ago, firstly in the UK and then here in Australia since I've been here um, uh, now for 11 years. And it's been a, a whole mix of drug discovery, drug development, drug platforms, you know, uh, on, oncology, um, uh, neurological diseases. Um, and I was interested, you know, some years back, I was interested to join the medicinal cannabis space. I, you know, before it became as crowded as it is now, I saw opportunities there. Uh, and then in, in, I guess, late 2020, early 2021, myself and my business partner and co-founder were basically getting frustrated with lockdowns and were reading the stories um you know, around uh, uh, related to mental health uh, being a growing 
factor as a result of the restrictions associated with with COVID. And in parallel to that, we were uh, reading the literature, most of which was uh, based on studies conducted in in North America or, or the UK, showing how very promising psychedelics were for the treatment of mental health disorders. Um, the, 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 you know, the really common ones like depression and PTSD and stress and anxiety. Um, and they're all sort of overlapped, all of those areas. I mean, you, you don't find a, an alcoholic who hasn't also got some sort of depression, for example, um, or someone with stress who probably, who does, you know, someone with a stress probably drinks too much. So there's all these sort of overlap. But, you know, we target the, the primary disorder or indication uh, that's just by the by um, but we felt that there was an opportunity back in 2021 uh, my colleague Matt and myself to establish a pure play psychedelic therapy company here in Australia there was at least a couple of the medicinal cannabis companies who were trying to move into that that field through cultivating uh, their own mushrooms um we didn't want to go down the cultivation route we wanted to go down synthetic um it's much simpler purer uh and easier regulatory path when you're not trying to explain you've got a botanical extract and um, what else might be in it so we we set up the company in 2021 and through the supply chain that i had set up when I was CEO of OzCan, which was the cannabis company, you know, we sort of moved quite quickly to get uh, access to the um, to the raw material. Uh, worked with Monash University to formulate this rapid release, and worked with IDT Australia as a contract manufacturer to manufacture the finished product. And we we started with psilocybin with a view to the treatment-resistant major depressive study because that's where the strength of data lies, so the lowest risk from a clinical setting. And, and then it's just sort of expanded beyond that space to include these other indications. We also wanted to have one foot in the high-dose psilocybin with psychotherapy and the other foot in the microdosing space where you're administered twice a week and there's no um there's, there's there's no hallucinogenic experience and again the body of data was very strong around that and our our principal investigator at macquarie university dr vince polito is one of the, the the leading researchers in in the space of of uh, uh, microdosing but he'd not done it under he'd not conducted a uh, such a well-controlled, groundbreaking study as, um, as the one that we've designed. And um, I've got to ask, where did the name come from, Woke Pharmaceuticals? That, that word has been thrown around a lot in the last few years. It, yeah, it, it has. Um, and I can say that it has nothing to do with... Uh, movements you know the politically correct movements or the me too movements or or anything associated with it um we chose it and maybe it was 
it's something we might look to change going forward, but we chose it because it's about uh, the treatment with with a, uh, with a psychedelic is, is like an awakening of your brain. Um, I imagine there's a lot of hurdles in this sort of space in starting a company. I could be completely wrong, though. What have been some of the the hurdles in in starting a psychedelics company? It's such a new form of treatment. What what have been the biggest hurdles you've found so far? Yeah, I mean, there's always hurdles setting up a a drug company. It's just slightly greater when you're dealing with a, a Schedule Nine drug. Um, uh, I mean, we. Uh, as a, through my previous um, role at OzCan, you know, I was aware of groups we could use who have uh, the relevant permits and licenses, both from the Office of Drug Control, as, which is part of the TGA, and they allow for the import of these drugs. And I knew that Monash University and the other sites that we're working with for the trials um, you know, have their relevant permits from the Department of Health or, or the equivalent in their state. And, and our timing was, was actually quite fortunate because a number of these sites that are now uh, in partnership with, with Woke Pharmaceuticals had conducted or were, were finishing up very small pilot studies, having put in place all of the requirements to, to run studies with a Schedule 9 and were looking for more opportunities, larger studies to conduct. Uh, I'm sure if you contacted them now, they would say they, they had no bandwidth to do any, any additional clinical work. But when we reached out to them in 2021, you know, they were all very keen to get involved in, in large studies. That's very fortunate timing indeed. Well, we finish every podcast by asking what your silver bullet for success is, Nick? <laughs> um, good, I mean, good question, Mar- Marietta. Uh, I wish it, it was it was just a formula that I apply um, that I could share with people. Um, in in reality, I think with at least with woke pharmaceuticals, uh, it's starting with that blank sheet of paper, setting yourself realistic goals so one doesn't overpromise and underdeliver. And with realistic goals, you know, we've been able to reach those targets. In fact, uh, over deliver in terms of reaching some of them at an earlier time point. Um, and we've got a, you know, with the relevant team of uh, both internally and, and of advisors around us, you know, we've got um, a massive amount of intellect and experience around psychedelics, more so than any other company here in Australia. And I think that is, I mean, that's been our silver bullet to get where we're at today. Yeah, surrounding yourself by the the knowledge that you need to progress. Absolutely. I think that's, that's a pretty yeah. good one because often people find that's one of the biggest mistakes that they've made. They've trusted the wrong people or listened to the wrong people and weren't surrounded by the best team. So. You went into that thinking you you weren't sure if you had a, uh, a solid silver bullet, but I think that's pretty damn solid, Nick. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks a lot, Marietta.